Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. All right, it looks like we're live. Um, Keikos, Kiriakos. Kiriakos or Kakos, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining me tonight and uh, morning for you. And um, Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Hey, thanks a lot. So is it windy today in Greece? Uh, not as windy as normal. Uh, we're having a bit of a heat wave trying to come over, but even with the heat wave, the wind kind of persists. So you're getting, we're getting something for sure. At least enough of wind foiling. Uh, but normally we'd have like, you know, 20, 25 knots average uh, on every day. So definitely not that much today. Oh, no. well, still. Um, for our guests at home, let's start. Where are you from? And I guess, where are you right now? Well, I am from Rhodes uh, Island in Greece. That's where I am right now. That's where I was. I grew up. That's where my family is from. And that's where I own my business and I work. So that's, uh, yeah, that basically that's where I learned surfing, where I did everything to do with water sports, you know, where we got into everything. Um, and it's really a fantastic island uh, to be on in the summer, at least, you know. Okay. Now, for those of us who don't know a lot about Greece, Greece is a series of islands and Rhodes is one of them? Or are you on well, the... Greece, no, Greece, Greece has a mainland. It's not a huge country like uh, the U.S. or Canada, but it is a, uh, it has got a mainland and it has a lot, a lot, a lot of islands. So Rhodes Island is like the main island the capital island, so to speak, of the Dodecanese Islands. That's the 12 islands right next to Turkey. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, the scenery and stuff out there must be phenomenal. Yeah, well, Rhodes is quite down south, so it's like close to Cyprus, close to Crete, close to Turkey. Um, so you get hot weather in the summer, and obviously you've got the Mediterranean climate, so you know, I'm not complaining. <laughs> No, I don't doubt. Cool. Um, so how, how early did you start water sports? Did you just... I was born into it, actually. My father um, my father kind of started his uh, water sports business about 43 years ago, maybe a little bit more than 43 years ago. So he was one of the first to bring windsurfing uh, on the island, or even in Greece, I think. You know, that was when windsurfing was ter- first starting out, when... The years when being a windsurfer was the equivalent of being a superstar, you know, VIP treatment oh, yeah. everywhere. So he was, he started then, and that's, that was before I was born even. And um, I was basically born on a windsurf station, raised on a windsurf station. Uh, I swam oh, first, awesome. walked later, you know. <laughs> but it was a, it's a yeah, nice uh, life. I can't complain uh, that I got to know the business and grow up in it and how everything works and how to obviously interact with people in different countries from a very, very young age. But that's the only thing I actually knew, you know, so to speak. It's not like uh, uh, that's what I live, basically. Okay, fair enough. And then you decided to kind of follow in those footsteps. And is, is Reckless Riders your own or is that the continuation of your father? Or No, Reckless Riders is my own. We currently okay. work it. Uh, out of my father's business as well. So obviously everybody wants to have wing foiling now, right? But I mean, it's a bit of a a funny story because the thing with you guys in Canada and the US, you got foiling 
much longer, you know, in, so to speak, than we do, like foiling in general and wing foiling, especially because when it came out, it was like when wing foiling came out it was what, like five years ago, approximately. So it's like mm -hmm. um, COVID times, right? And everything was on lockdown. You couldn't get gear. You couldn't get anything. And especially you get it into Europe, then and an island like Rhodes, you know, a little island of in a little country, was definitely not easy. So we didn't really have wing foiling the first two years it came out. And you know, you had it in Maui and spreading around and everything. We we didn't. We were just watching it sometimes on Instagram and going, "Oh, what is this stupid looking thing they're doing now?" You know. <laughs> yeah. And I just found. Uh, a board and a wing, really sh shitty one to be honest. But hey, it was you know the first some of the first gear here. So I just found someone and bought it onto the island and left it here because obviously it didn't work out for him. And a friend had it and I said, hey, look, I'm, you're gonna use that? They said no. I said I'm taking it and I took it. And I first time I tried was in our winter conditions here, which are definitely not conditions you want to start wing foiling in. <laughs> like uh, stormy weather it's either going to be 40 knots or like 10 knots um and i weigh about 100 kilograms you know so basically i didn't know anything about foiling no history in foiling before that so i was like yeah it's foiling it's supposed to go in light winds 10 knots is enough doesn't matter that there's a, a you know one one two meter straw break with whitewash and everything and i'm gonna walk through that and i'm gonna try it'll be fun and it took me about a <laughs> half an hour and of course there was no info on youtube or anything like now you know it was just this is wing foiling here's a picture oh, and i just took it and i was just sitting out there in these like big waves with no wind and i was just pumping and pumping and pumping and i was getting frustrated and i was like why the hell is this thing not flying <laughs> and then i suddenly got flying and the wind came up just a little bit like gusting to 50 15 knots and i was pumping like crazy and I just got flying and everybody on the beach was like, oh my God, he actually got flying. And that was <laughs> it. My first flight was in these terrible conditions. And then the first time I, after winter that I did it in our normal conditions, I thought, oh my God, this is so easy comparing mm. to what I did the first couple of times. Uh, yeah. But then once I tried it, it, it kind of, with me, it kind of clicked. Like for water sports, I have a, a very fast uh, feeling and adaptation for things. Like the moment I, if I try a board, that I know I'm going to like, and I, I'm going to know I like it, you know, it's going to just click immediately. So it was the same with the sport. I just tried it. And then I came to my father, I said, dad, I'm opening uh, a new school with this. I said, I'm not putting it in our school. I'm opening a new school. Like this is the future. This is going to take over. And he said, yeah, if you think that, you know, go for it. So I just went for it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I've been following your, your school on Instagram. I found it. And um, you guys put a lot, a lot of cool content, and um, yeah, I was looking. That's my wife. Just... Okay, perfect. Props, yeah, because props, okay. props to my wife. She's the influencer. She's the social media guru. If it was up to me, you'd probably see like a story every now and then when I remembered. You know, perfect. Yeah, because she's like, you, he loves chat and wink foil, and you have to have him on. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna have to uh, contain ourselves. It's very, things are accelerating a lot online and um, especially yeah, exactly. on Instagram. Most athletes are on Instagram and I guess that's how we connected and, and in the same process. But yeah, so everything's going. So, so far props to your lovely wife for doing all this work because it's now our whole community is going to get to meet you and talk to you. And so do you remember? <laughs> 
Do you remember, I guess, the first feeling you got from water sports? Um, do you remember getting I, hooked into I, it? or? Obviously, I remember my wing falling start because that wasn't that long ago, right? Yes. Um, it's like three years ago or something. But I, I remember never, like one of the fun things I think is amazing is that I never forgot my first time uh, planing on a windstorm, even though it was oh, yeah. years and years and years ago, you know? Uh, because I, I still remember I was out with the, the kid. He was a customer. He was my age, maybe a little bit older. And he was, we were surfing and we were both on the same level. Like we were riding up and down, maybe getting some speed, but we were not putting the foot straps in yet. And then we just had one day where we just went into foot straps full speed. And I still remember the like mind blowingness of it. You know, I was like, oh my God, what is this? And I was, uh, and then, you know, you just, never want to do it without that again that's it every time after that it's just like if i can't get in the footsteps i'm not going if it wins it enough i'm not going so you, exactly. you know I, I do remember learning and that feeling and um i i yeah i remember i remember a lot of it but obviously like windsurfing was so long ago some of the things you don't really uh, remember the immediate feeling you had then but for, for windsurfing sure. for sure that was close, yeah close to no it. how did you know it was going to be the future I don't know. You know, that was one of those gut feelings. Like I did it once and I was like, I'm, I'm a hardcore windsurfer. Like I learned kiting. I could kite. I could do tricks. I could even, you know, I could go on a surfboard and ride. But I just never, I was always like kiting. I was like, ah, as a windsurfer, like the feeling is for me is nothing. Like I get bored of it really fast. And I, I consider kiting as something that's easy and fast. And in what some ways that is nice to learn. And Absolutely. for people that don't have much time. But on the other hand, I consider it as something you probably get fed up. This episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in La Ventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that. I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a 10 kilometer downwinder done with my buddy Mickey from Salt Spring Island. Today, I got in an epic one with my friend Britt. Um, we went from Latuna all the way to the beach and back. Um, heck of a fun time. If you're looking to learn, there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at Saladita Kite School. They are positioned at Latuna, and now that I've been here a little while, I've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots. It is one of the more beginner-friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, they do offer professional jet ski-assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, so once again, they're at Latuna. So if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. Uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting saladitalaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at Saladita Kite School. At Saladita Kite School. Pretty fast, so you want to do something new all the time. Whereas windsurfers, you know, you've got windsurfers for 40 years now that they're just going up and down, jiving, and you think, aren't you getting boring? Like, no, you don't. Like, windsurfing gives you that feeling through your legs, like when you're just planing, that you never get bored of, you know? And when I tried wing foiling, it kind of felt like the perfect mixture of those two worlds. Like it was easier than windsurfing. It was obviously like even my first times I was flying in conditions that I could not be windsurfing in, at least not fun windsurfing, you know, without taking a massive sail and something. Oh yeah. And 
And then I was uh, still, I had that amazing feeling, like the foil still feels nice. You're still connected with the water, like fully you have immediate control. You're feeling every little thing. Um, riding waves with a foil, like the moment I just took the first wave and let the wing flag behind me, I was like, oh my God, I am now doing two or three sports in one, you know, like this is amazing. <clears throat> uh, but it was just a gut feeling to be honest. I did it and I thought, if I love this so much and I consider myself, I think that's what helps with my business and my YouTube channel and everything. I consider myself a, a normal everyday surfer, right? Obviously, I have more hours on the water than many people and I try uh, and I try to push and raise my level also for my business, but for me as well. But on everything else, I'm an everyday average person. Like I'm not one of these guys that goes out, tries a backflip and lands it on the third attempt. You know, I'm... I'm someone that takes months to learn anything. Like I have to bust my ass to kind of get moves out and all that. So when I, when I tried it and I thought it immediately clicked for me, I thought this is going to click for so many people, like immediately, you know, the moment they fly, they're going to be hooked. So all I have to do as a teacher is get them flying as fast as possible. And yes. that's it. They're hooked. And yeah. did you find the Obviously, your entire life of wind experience is helping in your teaching. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been teaching, I've been teaching people from an extremely young age. I would say, like, I was obviously at the age of twelve, I was already a really good windsurfer. But I was teaching people from twelve years old. Like, I, I, I remember my first student. I was twelve, and it was just some guy on the beach, and we had no other instructors. And my father told him. He can be your instructor. And the guy was like, yeah, sure. And I took him out and got him windsurfing. You know, that was it. So I've been teaching my whole life. Uh, and everybody says, kind of, that's my thing, to be a teacher. You know, I can get through to most people. I can teach most things. And especially water sports that I love, I can definitely teach. And I, I don't have a limit. You know, I can teach for hours and hours and hours a day if I, if I have to. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think. It helps, obviously, all the knowledge and understanding. And mainly the fact that I've been teaching for so long helps you kind of have the experience to know that everybody learns in a different way. Uh, the teacher has to adapt to the students. And it, it's different for everyone you kind of take in the water. Like you can't just go in like, that's the way I teach. That's it. No, you've got to go in and see like, okay, what's going to help this guy or girl go to the next step faster? Um, yeah, and that, yeah, it definitely helps a lot. I and mean, wing foiling is really translated because I call wing foiling like windsurfing 2.0, you know? So uh, it's the same style of teaching, the same the same kind of concept behind everything. So uh, it definitely, definitely helps. Oh, that's exciting. Um, hey, can we talk a little bit about what growing up in Greece was like? This is just like a, for all, all of us out here in Canada, US and all, all other countries, Greece has always been portrayed as this this picturesque, beautiful place. And obviously, there's a lot of us that would like to get out there. But what was it like growing up there? Well, the half of the picture, you got it right. It is picturesque yes. and beautiful. <laughs> obviously, the locals here, as in many, many places that have been in the world that are beautiful, they don't really appreciate it because they don't know what they have until they go somewhere else. And especially from the islands, people don't travel that much, right? Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, obviously for water sports, it's fantastic. Like some of the 
best places in Europe to ride are on the Greek islands, and Rhodes being one of them. Um, food's fantastic. I'm a big food guy, so, you know, that's a big plus <laughs> for me anyway you see it. Oh, and yeah. you're in nature all the time, either by the sea or up in the mountains, you know, your villages. But uh, Greece is not all sunshine and rainbows, obviously, as you've uh, probably heard a lot on uh, news and whatever over the years, economic problems and uh, the system, how it works and whatnot, just unorganized. This is also part of the Greek uh, style. But nothing, you know, nothing to worry first about. It just makes local life harder to to start up businesses and do whatnot, but um, for living here, if, you know, as growing up here, I think I was pretty lucky. You know, I'd ra- I'd have it any time over living in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, but I'm I'm not a big city fan, so you know, my wife would disagree. She's the city girl, so she always wants to go back to her home uh, country and be like, oh, I want to go visit the city, and I'm like, okay, you know, let's go. Why not go see yes. it? But let's come back. <laughs> yeah, let's come back to the country. Um, what goods? So, in in for example, I'm from uh, Ontario in Canada. Our wind seasons are spring and fall. Right now, I'm on Vancouver Island. Our summer season is like right on. We got uh, thermals like almost every day now. What's the best wind season for Rhodes um, Island? And are there various seasons that offer you various conditions? Uh, not really. Only looking at one quite big season. So summertime is our main main season. The the easiest way to say it is wind starts the windy season starts let's say May and goes on until October. But the main wind, like usually the strongest wind, the best and most reliable wind is the Meltemi, the thermal winds. And they are from mid June to mid September. All right. Now it is it does feel like the last few years like it's shifting a little bit. So it's going on longer. So many times October wouldn't really be that windy, but the last few years we've been riding, like I've been riding nearly every day in October, which is unusual, but hey, it's, a, it's an extra, it's a plus, right? And this year we even started in March, was my first session and pretty like constantly, like, I don't know, four times a week, uh, we had good wind and I was out wing foiling, uh, which normally again March, April, not supposed to be that windy uh, at all, and then usually in May it starts. But so we've had we started earlier, and we've gone on, we're going on later. Uh, but yeah, the main wind I would say mid uh, mid June to mid September. That's going to be like your statistically highest chance of getting wind here. Okay, and then at your school and at your center, um, what kind of conditions does it offer? Uh, well, we, like I said, we use my uh, father's business as well, but I do have my own uh, spot separately if we, for whoever wants to choose. Mostly at the moment, we're still working out of my father's um, spot because we're building up the other place, like we're trying to make it nicer. And my father obviously has had 40, 40 plus years to do that. So oh, yeah. it's a nicer it takes place time. to hang out. You know? <laughs> it takes time. Um, so yeah, we got the experience now. We're going to... To fix it fast so definitely like by next year be ready for sure even this year but um we have the spot so we can use it and one spot get back to the subject is my father's spot is basically and like most of roads is pump and jump conditions so you get choppy waters um uh, some ramps every now and then and like 
some long wakes out in the deep, but that's what you're you're looking at mostly is like in our spot it's calmer up front. So you've got a bit less wind, a bit less waves. So that's why we do all our lessons like close to the beach and it's really safe side onshore conditions. Um, it always brings you back to the beach, always uh, safe. The bay is like big, big closed bay. So no danger of, you know, <clears throat> pulled out or drifted out. Anyway, we've got jet bikes and rescues and whatnot, but we, you don't need to use those really. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> automatically safe. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So up front is much less wind, and then you, the further if you go like 50 meters out, the wind kind of clears a bit and is more stable, more strong, and the waves can be a little bit bigger. But when I say waves, like don't imagine surfable waves. We don't have like surfable waves, so they don't pummel you or like push you around. It's more like uh, weights and like chop. they just kind so, of break. They just little not kind like of hardly no? hardly even a break. Like imagine a little hill moving, you know. Oh, so okay. with a foil, you can catch it and run and ride down it, but they're not big waves. So even as a beginner, you can be riding in and if you see a wave, you're just going to go up and down. That's it. Like nothing pushing you or pulling you too aggressively. No white waters. It's just some white caps every now and then. Uh, and our other spot, the Reckless Riders, like official spot that I got uh, recently is one of the only spots in Ixia Bay, that's the bay we're located in with the most water sports. Uh, and it's one of the only spots in Ixia Bay that's pretty much in the front. It's like nearly flat. So it's got even less waves because it's in the belly of the bay. And yet it still gets hit by wind. So that's our plan, like to make it even easier for beginners to kind of start. But then once you go 100 meters, 50, 100 meters out, you're getting the same wind you'd have anywhere else. So, you know. Win-win. Oh yeah, that's nice. Especially for beginners who are getting on that for the first time and they're not sure. There's a lot of learning yeah. involved, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there is. But I mean, we that's the main thing we do. We teach a lot of beginners and nearly, basically all of our beginners succeed and they, they fly within a few hours. So, you know, some for some people, especially when they come from places with lakes and um, flat waters, they look at the conditions. They're like, oh, are you sure we can do it here? And I'm like, don't worry, like for sure you can do it here. Everybody does it here. It looks scary sometimes, but it's not. And then we go in and, you know, in like two to four hours, most people are getting some sort of flight. So they're super good. happy. Yeah, they're yeah. super happy. And uh, and uh, you'll see that the wave sometimes can help you, you know, as long as you don't overthink, overthink <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's weather like over there? I've never looked it up. So what's the... What's temperature? You're looking of water? at sunny, sunny, hot water, hot weather. Uh, like you, in the in the main summer, like now, you only need board shorts to go riding. Um, usually, no clouds or anything. It's just Mediterranean kind of dry, hot weather, sun all the time. You need like the only reason, like I, you'll see me in all my videos and everything. I wear a long sleeve wetsuit with short legs. The reason for that is mostly the sun, like. You've got to be prepared for the sun in Greece. It will uh, eat you up to <laughs> plenty of cream or you wear like a wetsuit. And I also wear it for the impact because as you may have seen, I do crash a lot. So yeah, we all do. <laughs> yes, yeah, we all I do. do crash a lot and I go I go high and the, the fall down is not pleasant many times. So uh, wetsuit for the impact is good. But I, besides that, most people wear like beach shorts and like a long lycra for the sun. I yeah, guess mostly rashy. for the sun, nothing, nothing really for the cold. Yeah. 
Okay. No, that's nice to hear too. Uh, what kind of gear does your school use? And is there preferred gear that you think people should or would be the easiest for them to learn on? I mean, I have set everything up around what's the best in my opinion. And I tested a lot of stuff. Like that's what I do, right? I go around, I pull favors in, I do anything I can to just get my hand on all different kind of gear and try it. And I've settled on Vayu wings and boards. Uh, Vayu is a German company, uh, but so you, you don't have it much in the US They're just kind of spreading out there now in the US or, the, or in Canada. Uh, so you might see a few of them, but not that many. You'll see more and more of them now in the competitions in the GWA and all this. And they have amazing wings. Like their wings are next level. And they started right at the beginning of wing foiling and um, they were one of Duotone's main competitors uh, in business also, obviously both of them being from Germany. Um, but they, yeah, they, they have amazing wings. Like their new wings, the V3, they are the best combination that I've used so far of lightness, stiffness, and durability. And all the little like details you, you don't really think about, but once you get riding with it, all the little details you're like, Okay, that makes a difference. You know, that, that feels nice to have like that extra little thing there and that extra little thing there. Um, so the wings are amazing. The boards, the new boards are fire. Like they start flying. Even my customers, I always judge gear by how a non-experienced or low-level rider, mm, if, he can, if he or she can feel a difference. You know, if they can feel a difference, there's a massive difference. So I have so many people that come and they have their own gear at home. And they try the gear and they're like, wow, this is amazing. Like I have more control. I have more stability. I have more of this. And I'm like, if someone at that level that is just getting flying can feel the difference, you know, it's, it's an obvious difference, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. So, and the boards and the wings, the new ones are fantastic. The wings have always been fantastic, but they're just, they're just jumping levels and levels up, you know, every time they're making something new. So I'm really happy with them and they're nice as a company. They're really helpful. They're really kind of, and to put it in short, they look out for the customer, you know, and uh, like, for example, the new wings um, or all the wings now, you get the wing with the hard handles. They all have hand hard handles on. That was one of the main things up front. Um, but they send you the soft handles, which you can change. They're interchangeable. They send you them in the packet. You know, you get the pump, you get all the little attachments, you get this, like you get everything that they offer as a company. You get it in the packet. You don't like um, you don't go like some other companies where oh you have to buy this leash extra or that thing extra or that thing extra. Just you're buying the wing, take it all. That's what they're telling you. You know, you have it all now. Oh, that's um, nice. Same with the boards. Same with everything. Yeah. So they're and and with warranties and helping out and advice, they're like really amazing. Uh, helping the customer, not only me as a station, but I know they help uh, everyday, you know, people just with their gear. And for foils, I use uh, Axis foils. And I mean, I guess, yes, the best kind of showing for you that they're, that I believe they are the best really, and I use them is that to get them here in Greece, it is unbelievably uh, hard for me. Like I have to, I <laughs> I get a good deal on them, obviously, um, as well. I, uh, I try to get with everything, but I have to get them in from China or the US, right? That's better from the US. So they come directly from the factory for me or they come from the US. But to get them through Greek customs, it is a pain, a big pain, and it costs me a lot of money. 
So why do I go through all the process and pay the extra money? Because I really think they're like two steps ahead. You know, I really think they are the best. And even like I said, even low level riders, when I give them, you know, they're starting to get flying and they said, oh, I've done one or two flights and I give them like the easiest access foil I can give them to fly. They get up flying and they're like, wow, that was amazingly easy. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's access for you. And that was actually my first, uh, I researched and I got them. So it was kind of like a luck thing. I researched first time. I never used access before. And I got them and I got my first, when I got my first access foil and tried it after the shitty equipment that I learned on, you know, the only thing I could get my hands on. <laughs> yep. My first reaction was like, what have I been doing all this time? Cause the difference in the foil was immense. It was like, I just did pop, pop and it was flying. And I was like, oh my God, I have been just working and working and working all this time to get this other foil flying. And this one just flies on its own. So. Oh, nice. um, yeah, so those are my recommendations for like, what, well, that's what we use. But basically for recommendations for people, if you're a beginner, just, you know, it, it takes a lot of research and there's a lot of things on the market. I think some of the easiest companies for beginners and just user-friendly companies are definitely like uh, Access. Obviously, I'm keeping them at number one. Uh, Duotone has easy foils, but um, I think for later on, they're kind of subpar. You know, they're like, nah. But for beginners, they're fine. Like, they're, they're classic foil. And F1 has nice uh, easy foils as well. So I think that they're good brands to kind of get on, fly with them, and, and uh, get your first steps and then create a style that you have and then look and with some knowledge, look into the market and see what would fit you better. But I think Access got everything for everyone. Like anything you can need, you can get from from them any style. Okay. Now, I've already ordered all the new stuff that came out just now, so you know, there's more oh, really? money out of the window, but oh, I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming yeah. early. My wife's not happy about that. <laughs> well, you know what? With her, Insta- her Instagram game, you never know, right? We got to get some Canadians and Americans out there. So yes, yes, that's now. What we're aiming for. We're looking at like like a mid aspect foil. Are you teaching on higher aspect foils? What do you find um, your clients prefer and A you prefer as well? Um, like I said, like uh, with with foils is hard, and I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll uh, not exactly quote, but I'll copy the uh, Adrian who is the access designer, and he hates when people like. Uh, can categorize foils by oh what's the surface area no or one thing foils you got at least at least three or four things you want to be looking at to get a full view of the foil so what i want to say by that is uh, that just the aspect ratio or just the surface area is not enough to look at but what i use is around uh, mid aspect so maybe even a little bit towards the higher aspect so like uh six let's say around a six aspect ratio mm-hmm. for most of my uh, classic foils, like the beginner foils and then advancing foils and intermediate foils, progression foils, all that. So they're all around a six aspect ratio. Um, for beginners, I use 1,600 or 2,000 surface area to kind of, depending on if they're lighter, if the wind's stronger or if they're bigger. People, obviously a big foil is easier, but people don't forget that a big foil is always 
harder to actually move around and maneuver and sometimes it pushes too much you know so you don't want to put someone that weighs uh, very little or in strong winds on a massive foil it's just going to start becoming counterproductive so um we always have different foil setups to accommodate weight in level and everything That's and then good. the board obviously you know if you're coming at a station i want to have as much as i can so Again, depending on the previous experience of the rider, we're either going to start, if they know nothing, we're going to start. I don't like starting on subs. I'm going to say that. Like a lot of people are like, oh, do you start on subs? Like, no, I think subs are ridiculous. Uh, they work maybe on lakes or whatever in really calm weathers. But when you're in any proper conditions with any wind, the sub is so long uh, that yeah, you can't steer it. Like even I can't steer it. Like it just takes a lot of you know work from me to steer it. So I'm imagining what a student, if I can't do it easily, the student can't do it at all. You know, so what we have is we have again from value, they have like some amazing, they have hard boards also for this that I'm going to tell you, but I'm using the inflatable one because it's lighter uh, and it's a specialized beginner board and it's like 180, 190 liters, but Ooh, it's very, very short nice. and it has a, you can put a foil on it and you can put extra fins on the front if someone's really having difficulty kind of staying up with. Oh, beautiful. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so you can fly those boards easily. And the only reason I use the inflatable one and not the hard one is because it's lighter. So when you fly, you don't feel 180 liters worth of board, you know, swinging around. You feel uh, um, you feel a, a light board under you anyway. And then from that, I'll go straight down. And now Vayu has really nice, like, 145, 130 liter boards. And they're also amazing for, like, learning on. But I had used, um, to not praise only value, I had used from the first years when value didn't have, like they went from the beginner one and then the next one was 130, but it was a really compact one. So I didn't think it worked too much for people like switching over. It was making life too hard. And the, the thing we want to do at Reckless Riders is make that transition as easy as possible, you know, to make you like the process as much as the sport. Yeah, not, um, struggle, not struggle through the whole thing, which... Yeah, not struggle through it. Like, if, you, if, if you're coming to a station, I'd rather have all the things ready for you and give you, like, all the single options you could have rather than say, like, yeah, you're going to have to drop from 180 to 120 liters now and just struggle with it. Like, no, no one really likes that if they have an option, you know? Um, something Sometimes it's the right thing to do, but still, you're on holiday. The choice is to kind of make life easy as well. Don't Don't just push... Uh, through as much as you can and hope for the best. Well, it's a yeah, nice so, motto. Yeah, it's a nice motto. Not every yeah. not every school has, I guess, as much gear, and and I found some schools are pushing for slightly smaller boards, which then make initial learning quite difficult. So the 180, 190 yeah. inflatable would be nice. Now, do you find, like, I guess, kneeling on an inflatable would be slightly different? Obviously, the boards might guess less. I don't know. It'd be a little it's, bit more it's, comfortable. It's, uh... It depends on the inflatable uh, and obviously the new ones they're making, like nearly every company now, the new ones they're making are better and better uh, quality. They'll never stand up to a hardboard. Yeah. But, but still. They, you know, for a beginner level, you don't care. And actually the nice thing, like you said, kneeling on it, especially if you're doing it somewhere like Greece, don't forget, we don't wear long wetsuits, too hot. Oh, yeah. So people forget that the knees are bare. <laughs> And uh, when you're a beginner, being on your knees a long time or keep, keep having to get back on your knees from falling off, your knees get roughed up. You know, you're like, oh, my God, my knees are hurting so much. So the inflatable board is actually really nice that uh, it's much softer when you're getting on and you don't mind, you know, falling around on it. And also for the school, it's better because 
the you know if the if you they hit it somewhere or you fall on it with the booms or something you don't care about the board it's not going to break it's inflatable but uh, obviously the best board for like speed and getting up is a hard board but uh, we're talking about a board that's around 180 190 liters therefore uh, inflatable doesn't really make a difference if it's inflatable or not and if they get flying okay but most likely when we're on that level and that board is they're not going to get flying and if they're taxiing up and down like easily then we'll just go straight down to like 145 liter board and as i was saying before i actually have the value boards which the new ones are really nice and they have 145 liters but one of my favorite boards to use and obviously this is for beginners like no one's going to continue using this board is the RRD, that's Roberto Ricci designs. I don't think you have many of them there. I um, used to ride a RRD windsurf as one of my first ones I bought in Maui. I yeah, love that yeah. board, single wave cult. And yeah. I, I, yeah, so they have some good yeah. boards. Oh, they also, and uh, they, yeah, and they, um, they have this hybrid windsurf wingfold board. But okay. what a hybrid board has uh, is it's flatter, it's longer. Uh, and it's designed around speed because windsurf foiling wants speed, right? So obviously I also stock some windsurf foils because why not? But um, yeah, I, I use that board, 140 liters. It's the hybrid, I think it's called the the rocket, the pocket rocket or rocket pocket, something like that. Oh yeah, okay. And, yeah. Um, and it gets flying super, super easily. And again, that's like for your first flight. Then the moment you start flying, we can just go down again to the other boards. So I also use some different brands, like but very specific things from different brands that really I find I have found through testing that are the absolute easiest to get up on, you know. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, um, I like that that thought process and the I guess the the focus around have helping new people get into the sport, have as much of a good time and a safe time as possible. So then they themselves can then enjoy this entire new um lifestyle potentially everything right because there's yeah. some are you finding we, a lot we, of people we, coming to your school that are brand new to wind sports have never done anything um are you finding they're um, coming from other sports mostly they're still coming from other sports so they're either windsurfers right. or kite surfers kind of changing over but uh, there are quite a few that are coming i have no experience at all lately there's been more and more of pe people like this and what we have here in Rhodes is, of course, you know, like we have our spot and our beaches, but the beaches are all uh, beautiful, nice beaches. And you be everywhere rough. there's tourists just sitting around, right? Like yeah. you have umbrellas. Sounds terrible. Uh, yes, yes. It's yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> bad, bad. <laughs> but yeah, so Don't like next, next to our surf station, next to our surf station, there's uh, umbrellas with people just sitting on the umbrellas, enjoying the sun, enjoying the you know, scenery, the, the beach, the sea, the water. We have amazingly clear water here, like really good water. So, you know, it's not, you want to go swimming all the time. So there's lots of people on the beach anyway. So they're just watching. And especially when they see the like good, good riders riding up and down and flying on that foil, they come and, you know, they're no longer asking, hey, that windsurfing looks interesting. They think, hey, that flying thing looks interesting. How do I do yes. that? And, you know, it kind of piques your interest. So we have a lot of people just walking up from the beach as well, uh, asking about it and getting interested in trying it. And of course, anybody we can get into any water sport is a plus for the whole community, right? Like, yes, the oh, more yeah. water sports people, the better. Yeah. But um, if anybody asks me, I do like whisper in their ear, like, this one's the future. I like, go for this one. This one's the future. 
Oh yeah, I remember my first yeah first flights were were just yeah it was it was something I had I'd watched a few videos online as like I don't know this is gonna be I thought it was gonna be too hard I won't get it but my first flight was just phenomenal I just how quiet it was because I was used to bouncing like rip and windsurfing right and you get this like yeah, carnal yeah. like testosterone flying and you're just going and then it's like <laughs> whew, it's like what the heck so um but in, yeah it's just zen and you can travel around and we've talked a lot about that but helping other people feel that especially now post pandemic um it must feel good to be able to help people experience a little bit of more joy in their lives i guess i always i always uh, love teaching people you know and seeing them kind of most people being like you even if they're complete beginners like oh i'm never going to be able to do this or that looks hard or it's going to take me a long time and then it's always like two or three little tips, not always the same ones, but two or three little tips for everyone. And suddenly it just clicks and they're right. And they're like, oh my God, that was easy. And I'm like, yeah, it is easy. Our water sports are hard because they, they need a balance of uh, power with technique, with like uh, smoothness, you know, and it's hard to give something power and force and at the same time be smooth. And at the same time, think of all the techniques. So if you can give people two or three kind of tips, one in each kind of sector, they, it, it will allow them to at least do the basics. And then they're like, wow, that wasn't so hard. And then, yeah, it's not so hard. And the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. So, you know, keep going. And they do yeah. and they love it. And it's, that's, that's how, how I love getting people kind of stuck into the sports and loving them. Of course, the, the hard part is after they leave here, Will they continue or not? This depends on where they're going and what, Absolutely. Uh, what they have around them and what they can do. But yeah, I can't, I can't do uh, everything. I'll do the starting part. The rest, <laughs> they have to do themselves. Hey, that's a super important part. Um, now, when you when you do your lessons, are you starting on land, teaching, flying basics? What's what? How definitely, does your school definitely. approach that whole process? Um, we obviously we like to find the balance where people don't get bored. Because one of the, my family also owns a kite station. I, I like helped out there when I was younger, but I never worked. And like I said, I never got into kiting. But one of the most annoying things for me in kiting was like looking at the people spending three hours on the beach doing theory and safety and whatnot. And I was like, Jesus Christ, if I was paying for lessons and I hadn't been in the water for the first three hours, I'd just be going mad, you know? So I thought, okay, um, we want to find the balance between that. But in wing falling, it is very important not to do what I did which like I said, there was no information. So what I did, I literally, this is the exact time I held the wing on the beach. Okay. And then I went in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was it. You're Greek, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You come from Zeus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you don't, you don't want to do that. Though. You don't want to do that. So what you want to do is spend as much time as possible on the beach. So what we usually do if, if, if we have the, the less amount, the least amount of time I'll spend on the beach is half an hour. And that's if it's a private lesson. So if I have someone like one-on-one -on -one and I can really give them all the focus, I'll spend half an hour on the beach. If they're happy to do more, we'll do more because you'll see that in half an hour on the beach, you still don't have good control of that wing unless you were a windsurfer or something. You don't have good control of that wing. And obviously your muscle memory is not built up yet for you, for your body to react well to any uh, mishaps in the water so no. at least half an hour if it's a group lesson we'll do like an hour on the beach and usually you know when people do start to try it on the beach they realize like 
oh shit, I need more time. And even sometimes I'd be like, okay, let's go in the water. And they're like, oh, already? Why don't we do more on the beach? And I'm like, okay, five minutes more, but then let's go in the water. And let's not overdo it on the beach. And then we'll go for the rest of the time in the water. From then on, I try to just do everything in the water because it's more fun, at least for me. Um, yep, absolutely. But if a student asks to see something on the beach and whatever, obviously before every lesson, we'll go over any tips and tricks we talked about before, any questions they have and re-show it on the beach, but usually it's like 10, 15 minutes and then back in the water, you know? And once you got the basics and you really understand them and you can control the wing, it's just go on the water and try it. You know, that's, yeah, it's that's just time on water. Yeah. At that yeah. point. And as on, you're saying, on the water we do, on the water we do try to stay directly with the student a lot. Like a lot of people say, Oh, that way of teaching is tiring for you, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, but if, if it's the best way for the student, I can get a bit more tired. No, no problem. You know, my body will take it <laughs> as long as it gets the student flying faster. So like sometimes if they're really doing not well, or if they're nervous about being in the water, I'll just stay with the board with them and just keep going out, out, out to sea with them. And then if they get it, I'll like, let them go. And then I'm left yes. like, in the middle of the sea, you know, swimming there <laughs> and I have to get back <laughs> somehow, but you know, whatever, as long as it helps, that's fine. But mm -hmm. usually, yeah, like usually windsurfers have a big advantage on that because like I said before, it's windsurfing 2.0. So uh, if you can get them on and kind of get the basics, usually you just let them go and that's it. They're, they're yeah. uh, riding, you know, taxing up and down. So. Yeah. They, I, I found that for the, cause I teach on, on the Vancouver Island, I teach on this Island here and there's two schools yeah. that I was teaching for, but one of them, but, um, the land lessons were, were huge for a lot of people, I, I found, just to get the fundamentals of how to fly the wing, how to be powered, how to use it as a third leg, and then go out in the water, how to flip it, actually. Do you find a lot of your yeah, students yeah. have a hard time flipping the wing and their boards end up I, running into it? And then I it's disaster. I always teach how to flip, and I really focus on it when they're doing it for them to do it correctly on land, like the proper like flip, not just a, like that. Yes. Because every time they're going to do the first fall, they're going to be stuck. If I'm not there with them, they're going to be stuck. So, and every time I have maybe, you know, in a rush forgotten to teach that, it's always been a problem, <laughs> you know, always. Is, and I'm like, ah, shit, okay, let's swim out to the student again and see how it goes. So yeah, definitely how to flip a wing. Yeah, I think that's, that's your first biggest one. <laughs> Cause, um, and then I found because some people are like, no, I'm fine. We can go out, but I also want to make sure to give them the most time and the most enjoyment possible on the water. But if there's current and the kind of wind going the same direction and then the board ends up running over it and then 20 minutes later they're back up and it's like well like so those some of those fundamentals on land absolutely a lot more yeah, a lot more fun yeah, definitely i started i started recording with my iphone this year so i go hold my phone and record their like 15 minutes of their lesson and then go back to shore and show them videos and they were so excited yeah. about that because they show their girlfriends and their partners and so that was pretty that was a nice add-on that I, that I was just doing because I, I guess as instructors right we might see them once it might be their only trip to greece so yeah. it, it's not just this because we love this sport so much but it, it's a whole experience that you're giving them in your life and and that those little pieces that you're mentioning they make a difference yeah definitely definitely and you know we do we do the photos and everything also for them to take back whenever we can uh we, we wait for them to be like looking, uh, looking good <laughs> at some moment yeah. snap a photo um video, videos hold way too much proof of crashing so we don't uh, you know <laughs> we don't give them that to send back to family no but definitely like Fair on enough. the land lessons we do focus a lot on making 
keeping things safe for the gear and the, and the people and getting them like I, I explain a lot yeah, like you know I'm going to show you some steps that may seem irrelevant to you they may seem like boring to you you might want to kind of put them in the side of your head away from the basic on how to keep that but don't because like the first steps of preparing everything and getting on and like steering it in the right direction and then grabbing the wing that's going to give you so much more time on the board than you just rushing to grab the wing be facing straight downwind get hit by a wave and fall off because you just wanted to quickly grab the wing and the same about flipping i'm like look don't rush the flip you know learn to flip properly because it's going to save you at the end a lot more time and struggle and energy and then you're going to be on the board much more and the moment they're kind of like okay yeah that makes sense because people don't think about that like I, I wouldn't think about that you know if it was my first time i wouldn't think of like oh i'm going to learn how to do all this random stuff uh, yeah, because absolutely. it's going to get me more time on the board no i'll just be like yeah i'll figure it out when i'm in the water um but once you kind of tell it to the, tell it to people and they're like yeah that makes sense and they learn it then you see that they hardly waste any time off the off the board and like struggling with the wing and getting things tangled up because you've already given them the basics of that and then that means that they become self-sufficient much faster so when they're riding you know i get people and i get this question a lot uh, from people before coming here they say they can't find a place to rent them gear because they're not at the level where they can fly yet. All and right. I'm like, uh, we don't need, we don't need that. We need you to be at a level where you can take care of the gear and at least taxi up and down without going like crazy downwind every time. So at least a bit of upwinding and we're happy to give you gear. We have easy gear. We have big gear. We have uh, tough gear. Um, so we'll give you gear as long as we can see, you can do those basic things. And then, you know, if you want to practice on your own, that's up to you. And it's the same after we do some lessons. I, if I do like two or three or four hours and the student is taxing and I see, you know, there's a level kind of for most people when you're taxing before you're flying that you're just going to need to get hours on the water. You know, you're just going to need to get time on the water. And even for the student, but also for me as a teacher, I know it's better money for me, obviously, but it's like it it, it feels like I'm wasting people's time and money when all they need is to just practice the same thing over and over and over again for a little bit of time. And then I'll, uh, I'll tell them, you know, if you want, if you're happy and if you're like, uh, sure of yourself enough, you can just rent for two or three hours and then we'll continue lessons. Once you get to the level where, you know, I tell you, okay, you're looking good. Now we can try really flying or whatever. Or of course you can t stay with the lesson. That's up to the student, but mm -hmm. I want them it's to nice feel option. like they're getting the best out of their money and their, um, they're not being cheated in some way, you know, yeah, like I've absolutely. seen places, I'm not going to say where, but I've seen places where they keep them on a sub board or a windsurf beginner board for like four hours, five hours. And I went and I saw the students and I was like, wow, God, dude, that, that lady is ready to fly, you know, like why you still have her on a beginner board, like her techniques nearly perfect. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, I'll put her on a wingfold board tomorrow. And I'm like, she should have been on a wingfold board three hours ago. You know, what are you talking about? Like basically what we try to do, like I'll, I'll allow people to rent my gear as long as that they're, they've got the basics of, they know how to take care of it. You know, they're not going to drop the foil in the wings, number one. And, uh, um, and they can, you know, stay a decent amount of upwind, like a small walk of shame is fine. But if, you know, if they ending up every time a kilometer down the bay, 
it's like it's it's not worth your time either. You know, the less in taxi service that you're going to get is worth the price alone. Well, yeah, it'd be better to take lessons now. For somebody like me, for example, if I come out and I don't want to bring my yeah. gear, do you have um, gear for all levels? Yeah, yeah, we have like the the smallest board we have is a forty liter. So I've got a forty, a fifty-five, a eighty, eighty-five, two nineties, two one tens. 130 liters, 140 liters, and then going up to the like beginner, beginner, beginner ones. Oh, beautiful. Wow. You're set up. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, my wife's not happy. <laughs> and, uh, um, Let's see if we and, can help and, uh, her out. I have, I have a lot of foils, like a crazy amount of too many foils. Okay. Heck, I have the SDS. Yeah. Oops. I have the SDS model. So they're like the super easy start models and I got a lot of them and they're good for beginners and people advancing and intermediate and they're like tougher foils. So they're not full carbon. They're like a mix, um, which doesn't really matter unless you're doing aerial stuff, right? Like you don't care about the extra weight a little bit, but they're going to get you flying so easily. And you know, if someone is a beginner and they accidentally come too far out and hit the beach, uh, we have some stones on the beach, not, not rocks, not sharp rocks, but stones, but this foils, indestructible i tell you like they are unbreakable so i don't mind renting out to people and then of course we've got all the bsc models all the hps models we've got some much we've got a lot of like advanced stuff as well and the whole range of most things so we can i have I, I don't think i've ever had someone yet that i couldn't accommodate you know from like really advanced riders to to beginners to intermediate always have something and same thing with wings, obviously, um, wide, yeah, wide range yeah. and everything. And, yeah. Anything from 2.8 until, but the, the biggest one I have from value is 6.4. That's mainly because we do have quite a bit of wind here normally, but, uh, the value ones, they're so efficient in power reaching when you want to pump them up a little bit that you don't need bigger than a six, 6.4. Like after that, it's just becoming unnecessarily big. And I found that even at my weight, I can pump myself up with a six when other people are using like this F1, eight meter monstrosities, you know, the zeppelins or whatever they are. So yeah, I, I prefer that style of nothing bigger than a 6.5, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting to get, my biggest I normally ride with is, is as a five, I'm a hundred and I'm 70, yeah. 70 some kgs. I'm a little guy. Um, but I can get going pretty quickly on, on that in the 72, just as a floater kind of thing. Um, but accommodation. So if people do fly in from other countries, um, how easy is it to find a place to stay or do you offer places? There's lots of options in roads. Like you can go from cheap to really fancy to basic to, you know, Airbnb hotels, all inclusive, cater yourself, whatever, like this everything, especially in Ixia Bay, that's where we're located. Uh, it's all just hotels around, but, um, the, the important thing for that is if someone's coming like July, August, that's our main, main season, you better have free books because most likely you're not finding much of anything left. Like they book out everything and that's the busiest time on the island. Um, but we, we ourselves have recently uh, invested in a in an apartment, an Airbnb apartment. It's pretty big. 
So it's like three bedroom, but it's got like this amazing location. You're right in the center of Ixia. You wake up, it's on the second floor. You see the sea, so you know what conditions are on. Immediately you have a sea view. Uh, it's all modern, taken care of, fully stocked kitchen and everything. Uh, and it's a five, not even five, yeah, maybe a five minute walk from the, from both of our spots. So it's right in the middle of the spot. So um, you can walk down the beach, no problem. Um, and okay, yeah, for Europeans, like I said, it's a big apartment, so it's three bedroom. So for European standards, uh, we haven't discussed anything about that. We don't need to for the uh, economic kind of way of thinking, but for European standards, it's, I guess, uh, not not really worth it or cheap for people if they're like one or two people. So it's better if you're a group. But to be honest, you know, when I've seen like US or Canadian prices or the prices they pay even in, in Mexico for holidays, um, we're still pretty cheap. For their standards so uh i guess it, for 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 most of your viewers and customers and um audience it's probably good even for like uh two people if they don't mind having two extra bedrooms to do nothing with you know yeah uh, no that's fine that's yeah. good to know yeah but it's got a um, nice balcony you sit out watch the sea and you can find you can find that in pictures and everything on our website so we've okay. got it on our reckless riders website Okay, cool. We'll talk about that. But there are plenty of options, plenty, like hotels, Airbnbs, on the beach, next to the beach, everything. Okay. No, it's good to know. Yeah, it's always been something that I've thought about. Um, I want to take us back to instructing because this is a point where a lot of people, a lot of new clients, so what anyways, ends up what happening is you get up kind of, your board always goes straight downwind, right? For the most part, yeah. you try you try to get on, you kind of kneel on your board. You, oh, wow, it's it's sitting there kind of across the wind for 10 seconds, it goes downwind. So I always do for myself is I'll grab leading edge and kind of the first handle. And I do kind of like a stroke to the back, which kind of turns my board yeah. right away. Once I'm turned, I get up. Do you have a favorite technique to teaching people how to write their board? So instead of it facing downwind, because if you get up, obviously I got, I got, facing downwind, you're like this, right? Yeah. You're like It's a yeah, disaster. Yeah. I got two main things, two main things. And you can, you can find like all the advice on uh, my YouTube channel as well. So you can like, I've, I've already posted all of this, you know, it's not like a big secret. Like I said, I'm just trying to get people doing the sport. <laughs> Absolutely. So. No, me too. Um, yeah. One, one of them is with the knees. I don't know where it came from and why it stuck so much, but that like forward facing on the knees on big boards, especially I find it harder. So I go more in like a windsurf thing. So I, I, I sit my students ever so slightly diagonal facing forward, but mostly they're like sideways looking at the wing. That way you can get more of a spin around and push around from your legs, from your hips to control that board, right? Uh, that's the first thing I change. And even people that have learned it and they kind of come and they're trying on their own and I just see them having such difficulty kind of pointing that board upwind when they're on the knees. I tell them just to try that. They're hesitant in the beginning because obviously they've seen it everywhere and they've learned it everywhere, like point forwards on your knees. But that, that technique, in my opinion, is more of a like small sinker board technique. It's not a technique for beginners. Like beginners can do nearly anything as long as it works, right? True. So, now you're saying like, so your board's here or whatever, you're a slight, slight angle and then your feet are hanging off the side of the board? Yeah, so if, if this is the board, uh, you yeah. won't be like, Straight. straight, you'll be straight. sideways, slightly oh, okay. forwards. That way, when you okay. spin your knees, it changes the board much easier. You're like, you don't have to be in a contorted way like this to be, to bring your board to where you want it, right? Okay. And then and... you then you move your knees and face forward. No, I I won't do that. So like, 
ever so slightly facing forward. That helps you spin upwind. You'll see that it's much easier to keep it there. And then when you want to get up, you get your front leg up and then the back leg up. Like it, there's no reason to be facing forward if you really think about it or do it a few times. You're like, yeah, that don't need to be facing completely forward. Like there's no actual reason behind it like that you have to do that. It, if, to me, it seems like it's something that helps mostly with when you start going to smaller boards. You know, like for lighter people on like smaller boards, going down to the sinker level, then it helps kind of balance yourself out on the board better. But on a big board, like it, there is no actual reason. I mean, someone can tell me a reason. I'll be like, yeah, okay, fine. But for me so far, it's worked so much better with students just doing that sideways thing, like, like being on a windsurf, you know? Same thing, like kind of same stance as being on a windsurf. Um, and the second thing is what you said, like that scoop backwards. Uh, I've, I've adopted calling it uh, the spinny chair method. And that is uh, thanks to Alex, Alex Mertens. This is described it like that. We ride together in La Ventana in Mexico. Um, he's a pro windsurfer, gone wing foiler, sick rider. He also makes some YouTube videos on a bit more advanced stuff. And whatnot, right? So he calls the spinny chair method because we say, like, imagine you're on a desk chair, the spinny ones, right? And you want to twist your chair around without uh, using your legs. So you would grab the desk, or in this case, the boom, your wing, and you'd pull yourself around against it. Because a lot of students, they kind of confuse the fact when you say twist your hips, they try to twist their hips, but without pulling against the wing. Right, without doing that scoop back, like you said. So what that does, it means that you're just twisting your hips, but it's not going to listen to you, right? So if you use that wing just a tiny bit back and at the same time, like it's a combined move, twist your hips, it's going to go upwind so easily. And when they do it, they're like, oh yeah, that was super easy. I'm like, yeah, that's it. It's, that's it's your most technique important over lesson. everything else. <laughs> yeah, technique yes. over everything else. It's nothing to do with the uh, power or... Uh, that's another thing, you know, a lot of um, small size women or children or parents that bring the children, they're like, oh, but can my child do it because it looks really hard and really like you need to be strong. And I'm like, no, nah. the best writers I know are around 15 years old or younger. Oh, <laughs> All of them are, are just insane writers. Yeah. It's insane. And again, I ride, I ride next to all these kids in, in Mexico, in La Ventana, and they're just, they make me feel bad. <laughs> you know, because I, I'm like riding there and I'm like, oh, shit, okay, like maybe I'll just go away from the pack there just so I don't look too bad being next to them. And they're just racing around so fast and they're throwing like 720s backflips, front flips, yeah. like it's nothing. Like the face expression doesn't even change. Yeah. They're just like, <laughs> like, I did nothing. And then it's me doing a front side 360 and I'm like, ah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, to be thirteen again. But yeah, yeah, But that's that's the thing. Like uh, as a sport, also, you don't need to be strong. It's all technical, and um, obviously the wings are light, boards are light, everything's light. It's all about just doing the right thing. So as long as the kid wants to do it, they can do it, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna be able to do it. You might have to change up techniques a little bit and for size and whatever, but it works for kids for sure. So it's not nothing to do with power. It's all about technique. Oh yeah, and that's uh, that's a fun fun thing, and they pick it up so quickly, um, ah, which is pretty cool. So, to learn a little bit more about you, what's your favorite setup? What kind of? So you're saying you're 100 kg. So what size of board do you like to go out in uh, or on? Uh, I like what? to stay. 
I like to say I'm 100 kg, so I'm heavy in my body, but I'm uh, light in my soul. So I can get going with very small gear normally. I like small gear. There was a period when I was riding like a 40 liter board every day, no matter what wind. But um, I found that, you know, I'm getting lazy and the boards are getting better. So there was no reason for me to stay on a 40 liter board. I knew bigger boards were really compact and easy riding so and light. So I was like, Okay, I'll have to go bigger. Why not? So now my favorite, I, I use a 70 liter value fly. Um, I was thinking of going down to a 60 liter, but <laughs> again, my wife would probably kill me for buying another board just for 10 <laughs> liters. So yes, <laughs> I'm sticking with a 70 liter value fly. Uh, I got a um, 90 centimeter mast with a access crazy short fuse and the bsc 740 which is a hidden gem of a foil because that is a small foil that's around 800 square centimeters 880 um, which for 100 kilograms is pretty small right but it's a fantastically like easy and user-friendly foil like you can get me i've i've gotten it up in like in 12 knots i can fly that foil for sure um but sometimes like 12 to 40 knots I've been out a lot of times with like a four or five square meter wing. Um, That's impressive. Obviously pumping my pumping my soul out, but uh, yeah, for yeah, sure. I can get and on a seventy. On a seventy liter, so which for me Whoa. is about sinks to about here if I stop all wind. Um, but yeah, but I, I can go out. I think I think that's pretty much my setup at the moment. Uh, I'm looking at going on a eight on a sixty liter board, but that's about the only change I'd make. And I've got some new foils coming, but I'm, you know, I'm looking at the same size. I'm just changing models around and trying different things. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's yeah, pretty good setup. Eight hundred, eight hundred to a thousand on the foil, seventy liter board, and four or five meter wing. Kgs. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. No, that's good to know. Um, yeah, because me myself, I'm in colder water sometimes, so I ride a seventy, even though. Um, I'm 70, so I'm pretty much, it's pretty much kgs to boards, even three, four, five meter wing. And then I have a, I have a big foil. I got a 1550 Armstrong. I haven't even switched, but it's so cruisy and, uh, I love Armstrong yeah, wow. foils. So, um, that's what I'm If it works for, for you, why not? Oh, heck, I'm still riding the same foil. I'm going to get some more there maybe next year or something, but for now it's fine. But, um, <laughs> cool. everybody's so, getting into the high aspect part now, you know, like everybody's just higher and higher aspect ratio and i've got some really high aspect ones but for me i think the best is to get something really all around that does two or three things like from different styles that you really like but the foil can do both of them then you don't have to ever change your foil you just like one foil that's it yeah i, I love the changed. mid aspect yeah like the, my mid aspect is yeah. still the v1 i love it it's so cruisy comfortable i can handle big swell to small stuff to head high stuff and it's all it's all nice and comfortable you had said short stab so what do you what do you mean by short you're looking at 50 i'm running a 60 i believe um i'm on the uh, i'm on the active oh you mean the the fuselage yeah yeah fuse sorry yes yeah um I'm on the axis crazy short. So it's the second shortest, I think. So, because right. um, they, they've also got a, a new one called the city short. And I'm going to be honest, I wanted to buy that just for the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good so, yeah, the crazy short is like 
603 millimeters. Okay. So 60 centimeters. Yeah. Okay. So same as mine. Yeah. Awesome. I find yeah, that's a so good size. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love that because it, it gives me the ability to pump uh, very easily, to carve very easily. And I pair that with a small rear wing. It's the progressive 350 from uh, Axis. I might even go smaller, but you know, again, for my weight, mm-hmm. I don't need, need to. Need a bit yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not the, even the lift. Like I got plenty of lift. It's more like um, to buy a smaller rear wing. Uh, my weight pushes that one around anyway. You know, I'm buying it mostly because I'm like, oh, look, that pro guy's on a 300 or a 325. Like, why am I on a 350? And he has the same foil as me. But on the other hand, he's like 70, 80 kilograms and I'm like 100. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it makes a it's difference. basically like having the same thing. Yeah. Uh, not not just for the lift like my weight pushes that around and i don't get any negative feedback from the foil so i don't think i really need to change i'm just you know i just want to have more stuff <laughs> add to the collection sorry wife <laughs> so um, from the other room, so. <laughs> she'll come in soon you get off with that man that's enough from america <laughs> Or Canada, so. But um, where are some of the? Have you had the opportunity to travel to different places and try um, different countries and launch sites? I've traveled in a lot of places, but uh, for foiling, the last few years, uh, I haven't traveled in many places for foiling. Um, I've tra- I used to travel with Windsor. When I started foiling, was like three years ago, right? So, Fair and then of course yeah. it was still covid and whatever and then we went first time to la ventana and we have been traveling with my wife for many many years and traveling like around the world working you know i don't just travel and holiday that because i stay for like three four five months so i I work wherever i go but it got it it gets a bit tired you know at the end like researching new places every time you're not sure if they're going to be good will you have to like uh Will you like it? Will you not? You have, you have to find a new accommodation every time, meet new people, new work. So we went to La Ventana in, in Mexico and we loved it. Like, we loved the community there. We loved the wind there. And then the next year we were looking where to go and we thought, you know what? We didn't have, we like, we ran out of time. We were so busy with uh, businesses here and doing, getting things sorted that at the end I was like, you know what? Let's just go back. And it was the first time ever we went back to the same place. And yeah. And when we went back, we, it was a nice feeling because everybody, it's a small village, so everybody knew us. And it's always the same uh, tourists that come back, and it's obviously the same locals. So when we went back, it was like, like you'd never left. Like all the, hey, you know, hey, hello, well, let's go out and eat tonight, and blah, blah, blah. So, That's nice, and it's yeah. good conditions. I love the conditions. So uh, we went to Lamentana. So for wing foiling, I've only really uh, wing foiled a lot in Greece and in Mexico. But I have traveled in the past, like Vietnam, Philippines, uh, Caribbean, uh, yeah. Well, some other places, I guess. Yeah, I've been to a lot of places, but uh, even like just thinking of the conditions there, I think La Ventana has the best conditions. And it's easy for you guys to get there in the winter, right? Yeah, it's not too far at all for us. Um, Are you going this winter? It's nice. Uh, if I go anywhere, I will go there. Yeah, but I'm I'm probably uh, not gonna go for as long. Uh, so we're gonna go to somewhere here in Europe first to visit family, and then probably end up again in uh, in Mexico. But yeah, I go there. I work in one of the centers there. I worked for my first year and good connection, good people. So I go back there and I just 
do lessons. But there I'm like a freelance instructor. I don't have to stress about, you know, equipment or people and safety and whatnot. That's someone else's job there. I just oh, yeah. Yeah, I do, I do the, the same. Um, I might go to Laventon this winter and teach a little bit. I think it'd be fun. Ah, I haven't good. been there, but yeah, nice I think place. it'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Nice. Well, nice hey, place. we've been chatting for a while. I know you said you're going to be start. Are you starting instructing this morning? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of lessons waiting for me. I'm, of course, here I'm more like uh, managing, so I do do some lessons sometimes, but I have a lot of instructors that I've, <clears throat> I've trained up and I taught them how to, how to teach. Some of them I've been taught from the past years how to wing foil first and then how to teach. And they're all, you know, wing servers with a lot of ex- teaching experience. I've got them working for me now. Um, so we can teach a bigger amount of people because. If I'm doing it alone, I'm in the water all day and I still have to cancel lessons and be like, okay, I can't pick you in today. Someone else, you have to come another year. So more more instructors now. But yeah, I got a couple of lessons, uh, wait a few hours, like three or four hours of lessons waiting today. And uh, yeah, it looks like a nice day, another nice day in paradise. So. Hey, beautiful. Beautiful, man. Well, hey, like, so if people um, are wanting to learn more about your school, learn more about how to get there, um, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, obviously, like I said, my wife takes care of the Instagram, so they can see like nearly everything there on Reckless Riders Instagram, and uh, they can message through there, or they can go on our website, uh, recklessridersroads.com, and there you have, again, pictures, prices, info, accommodation anything you need like to check there uh, and you can contact us through there or you, know, you can just send me a message you know i'm i'm always available the only time i don't answer is when i'm on the water either writing or teaching so fair enough uh, you are going to get an answer eventually <laughs> hey fair enough well hey man thanks for thanks for joining me today and 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 doing it so early in the morning because i know it's early over there Really appreciated it. Maybe what we can do another time is even do a live from from to, for people to be able to see your actual school in action. That'd be pretty fun. So um, people might yeah, love yeah, to see yeah. that as well. So we could do that. But hey, I hope you have a good day. Why not? We can arrange. Yeah, yeah thank absolutely. you, man. Thanks for having me. It was yeah. nice talking to you. And I hope to see more Canadians and Americans uh, in roads. Yeah, uh, pretty fun. This year, the next year, whenever. It doesn't matter. Just get over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I hope you have a good day. And hey, everybody, thanks for joining us tonight and um, this morning if you are over in Europe. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon in the next episode. Thanks for joining Tom and I on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>